Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cut to the Grace. So for today's intro, I'm actually joined by uh, my best friend, Luke. Do you want to say hello? Hey! Do you know what? I actually dread the day that you come on this podcast because it's going to be the weirdest one I've ever done. You need to listen to the one I just put up with Lewis because it's strange. When I'm with my friends, I just get so weird. Yeah, you are as well, though. Anyways, welcome back. I hope everyone's having a good week. So first, starting off with some good news. Um, I'm sure a lot of you would have seen on today's announcement. I'm going to be in an outdoor concert version of Hair. Um, it's with the Turbine Theatre on the jetty, being directed by Arlene Phillips and produced by Paul Taylor Mills, and the cast are cray-cray. So come and see us. It's going to be an absolute hoot. <laughs> I never say hoot. Um, anyways, on to my Friday faves. So what's happening this week? Oh, I got some new glasses. Uh, I got a really big pair. You know those big pairs? I really wanted like some big frame thick glasses that I can like hide behind when I'm tired. And I got exactly that and they're very cute. And I also got some prescription sunglasses, which I didn't even know was a thing, but they're great. But then when I like put them on my head, uh, when I go like go inside, I'm all of a sudden blind. It's very funny, very strange. Um, food wise, uh, me and Josh went for tapas at a place called Pix. It was literally the best tapas I've ever had. And I'm not even a tapas fan. Um, but I think it's because the veggie options were so yummy. And I also went, oh God, I'm treating myself like I'm, like I'm not out of work right now. But I went to Sushi Samba for the first time last night, which is somewhere I've wanted to go for ages, but didn't have a cocktail because I just wasn't feeling it. So I'm going to go back for cocktails because they look great. But the sushi was delish. And again, loads of yummy veggie options. Also started watching The Fall on Netflix this week. It's so good. I love serial killer dramas because I'm weird, but yeah, I really like them. And I get really invested yeah, I just really like them. And Gillian Anderson is really good in it. And she was in Sex Education, which I also really liked. And she's fab. The whole cast are good, actually. Product of the week. Obviously, it's been too hot this week. Actually been unbearable. But again, I'm back with a Lizelle product. It's the tone of spritzer. And just like keeping it in your bag and spritzing it during the day has been so helpful. And also the spritzer bottles are a lot better for the environment because you're not using cotton pads. You like a spritzer, don't you, Luke? I absolutely love a spritzer. I would highly recommend 10 out of 10. Get yourself a Lizelle. Dish bash posh. Dish bash posh. Me and Luke share the Lizelle love. So, um, yeah. So, today's episode is with the absolute icon that is Alice Fern. I'm obsessed with her. She's hilarious. And we actually recorded this before last Friday, which was when I went on her final episode of Intermissions. Um, If you want to see a few little clips of some backstage footage, because like 
it was full out. She has a whole team involved and like professional cameras on tracks and like, it was amazing. But yeah, watch my recent uh, weekly vlog. It was actually my first weekly vlog because I did some filming backstage and it's very cute. Also, all of the intermissions episodes are available to still stream them, even though they won't be live because that was the final one. But you can watch them all back. And there's aspects of the whole industry. So she advertises like theatre-based businesses and businesses that are run by people in theatre who are currently out of work, which is amazing. She also has graduates performing on there. And yeah, and Nick Barstow is an absolute genius on the keys. And Emmelinda's, need I say more, her voice is ridiculous. So we speak a bit more about intermissions in this podcast. So please enjoy my interview with Alice Fern. Hello, Alice. Hi, darling. How are you? I'm actually really good today. Yeah, I'm feeling really um, positive. I'm doing lots of things at the minute and it's keeping my mind away from, you know, 2020. Yeah. (laughs) Me and Alice just had a massive chat about the theatre industry and what's going on so I feel like actually I'm really good today it's kind of like my response that I'm giving every time I have like a really positive day I'm like do you know what you have to sort of take them when they're there don't you because it can be a bit few and far between and um you can find so like they can highlight so many negatives at the minute um and you know doing anything to try and find some positivity or to find that you're actually feeling okay today and you're not sort of dwelling on the on the rubbish um I'm calling an absolute win in 2020 yeah and just accepting that every single day is going to be different and it is so up and down I think it took me so long to kind of give into that helplessness of feeling like that and feeling so out of control that every single day I didn't know how I was going to be feeling so I could now I just go with the flow I'm just like yeah, I, I'm sort of, I, I think you're probably similar I don't really let things get to me too much and I don't let to get bogged down with anything like that too much I sort of go oh you know it's this that's whatever um but even this was this has sort of taken it to a new even me to go to wake up one day and just go I don't I don't want to get up I don't want to even talk to anyone. I don't, you know, and sort of embracing that and going, I'm having that day today. And, uh, and actually what I like is that everyone with, cause everyone is in the same boat, you know, it's not just like I didn't get a job yesterday. And so I'm in a mood. It's that, you know, everyone in the industry, everyone in the world, um, has very much been feeling like this in the last couple of months. So you sort of, yeah, when you say that out loud and you actually sort of felt, I can say this out loud and everyone went, yeah, fair enough, because I've had a couple of those. It's actually quite comforting in a way that that actually this is happening globally as opposed to just poor old, um, you know, us or poor old England mm. or poor old theatre folk, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's everyone. So there's a kind of sort of solidarity in that, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely. It's, yeah, that's lovely. It's a lovely way of looking at it. It makes me feel a lot better about the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> We're going to have a little chat in a minute about intermissions, which is a super exciting uh, project you've had going on over the last few months. But in general, how has lockdown treated you? Have um, you got well, any new hobbies? Well, I, yes, I have actually. Uh, things that I would have said Alice Fern would never do. Um, me too. Uh, yeah you know like I absolutely loathe um fitness doing anything fitness wise I'm a lazy as a lazy ass and um and suddenly I've been doing like you know I've been running I've been doing the couch to 5k I've been having PT sessions I've been doing hit sessions so it's that's really weird 
Um, two, cooking, can't bear cooking. Can't, honestly, like it's just my la the last thing I want to do ever. Um, and I've even been like finding recipes online, going out specifically to get certain like products for the meals and making them and feeling like really, yeah, I've done a really good job today making that meal. Um, and now on top of that gardening, I mean, you ask my husband, I do not even mow the lawn. And, uh, you know, which is the bare minimum if you've got a garden, you know, you've got to be able to yeah. mow the lawn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, oh, darling, I've got I've got strawberries. I've got a lemon tree. I've got a herb garden. I a lemon got, tree. A lemon tree. Who who has a lemon tree? I do apparently. Cause I think that's what. And so yes, I've done. So I saw. I've even become a gardener. And I actually every time I, I check them every day, I make sure they get watered and everything. And I go out and I'm really. I've got a chili plant. And I go out and I'm really excited because I see them growing and see and I haven't killed them yet. And so it's really. I'm just like finding so many things to do. And it's because. I'm so used to being busy so much that um, to suddenly take pretty much all I, uh, all I do, you know, I, I, like I teach and I can continue teaching a little bit here and there, but I teach and I do shows or I record, I do sessions and also they're, they're pretty much all taken away from me in one fell swoop. And I'm just like, well, I don't know what that, don't know what this is. I don't know what, what it is to sit down and do nothing, you know? So um, I filled it with cooking, baking and gardening. So, um, and a little bit of fitness on throw that. So yeah, I love that. yeah, there are things that I've really sort of gone. That's, I'm glad that in a way that happened. I mean, I would know if you asked me to take it all back, I absolutely would to have, you know, everything back to normal, but there are some positives to find. And as I, you know, as we've already said, I think it's always nice to try and focus on the positive sometimes just to remember that, that they do exist still. Yeah, definitely. And I, I find that with things like that, that seems so simple and ongoing from that with me kind of like journaling and yoga and cooking and crafts and things essentially you look at those things and you think oh but they're things you could do at the same time as having a job in theater surely because you have your whole day free so surely you could do the gardening in the day and then go to work but it just doesn't work like that it really doesn't and it's such a difference between oh quickly doing the garden before you have to go to warm up to actually taking the time to grow a chili plant a chili plant lemon tree herb garden like sit down with a recipe and not grab something on the way to work you know it's like such a difference between investing that time so do you think you kind of those things you got into it because you felt like you had to do it or did was it something you always wanted to do like what was the drive behind doing it no I can honestly say I never particularly wanted to do it I can honestly <laughs> say that but it was the boredom factor for me it was I cannot especially during specifically during lockdown where you feel you felt like we absolutely couldn't leave the house in any way and it was even a push to go to the supermarket sort of thing you know um and that sort of like six six weeks really um it was when it all began because I just went I cannot I'm not able to sit here and only watch um Disney plus you know and Netflix <laughs> I just couldn't I couldn't actually do that to myself and also I do think the weather helped because we had like an unbelievable April May um, heat wave after heat wave we've got luckily got a garden here and I do think that makes you go I have to go and use this time because I've got the day off I'm it's like I'm calling it the forced retirement this year um uh, the early forced retirement and I said we have to go out there and appreciate this weather and actually be in it then because this is it's time that we are being given and we have no choice so 
yeah, I think because of that, that made me go outside, that made me look at the garden more, that made me go, I want to do that there. And I think, wouldn't that be nice to have a herb garden over there? And, um, and so that maybe sort of um, sent me into that um, slightly more. So, and I do think the weather that we had was, it was a bit like Mother Nature um, going, I'm so sorry, guys, I'll give you a bit of a break because this is, a bit, this is actually a bit much. 100%. Giving us a bit it's of like sunshine. they knew. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, amazing. So speaking of your lovely garden, you've been out in it a lot having a sing song. Tell me about intermissions. Well, it did come up in our minds. Uh, I, it was co-conceived with me and a director friend of mine, Kurt Jameson, who's a friend of mine from old. And um, basically, it, listen, it was to try and get live theatre back. And we sort of were viewing it to start in the summer. We said it would be summer concerts because hopefully by then, and we did keep our fingers crossed, we would be allowed a certain amount of people together, socially distanced, but at least in the same sort of similar garden situation, outdoors. Luckily, that was completely the case. And by July a number of people outside were allowed to be together as long as they were sort of a metre apart. So um, our, our sort of, um, it paid off, I think, our hope in that sense. Um, and yeah, we wanted to bring back live performance was specifically the first idea, to be actually singing with a piano, to be singing with someone else, to actually be doing it live and not pre-recorded on a video, you know, because it was, that is brilliant. And it's been the only thing we've had, but I basically just wanted to do it for the first time since all of that was, was kind of a thing. And then it sort of grew because I wanted it to focus in on so many aspects of freelance theatre people um, that are suddenly have zero work, zero ability to earn any money and are having to go into various other things and try and be creative in their own way. Um, and also just go into, you know, some are, some are working in the care industry, some are, you know, um, delivering for Hermes. And I want that to be fo a focus on it, of it. I want, to, I want everyone who's watching to realise that we are completely jobless and we are having to all of us in our different ways, whatever way we can earn some money and keep and keep alive, you know, during this time while we're all completely out of work. So I wanted to focus in on that um, and which we're doing in various segments throughout the show. Um, I'm wearing like a friend of mine started making earrings. I'm going to be wearing some of her earrings and showcasing them. Um, someone that was in Phantom has been making this, these like um, AstroTurf signs out of grass. Um, and so we put them in the garden. So it's just stuff like that that people are sort of getting creative and trying to have a little side business to get them through. And then I also wanted to focus a little bit on the graduates of 2020 because it's been, I mean, I couldn't imagine coming out into, a theater, into an industry after all that work, after all that money, after all that time and effort and mm. to come out with, and you're just, there's nothing, you know, and there's gonna be nothing for a considerable amount of time or very little. And, um, and I wanted to give them a bit of a voice and to make them feel a little bit better. So we've got a couple of people singing on our shows and we've asked creatives and casting directors to send their voices in and to send their, you know, um, words of encouragement in to them. And so it sort of became what was initially sort of like a live show became, um, sorry, a live gig became a live show. So we mm -hmm. just have so many different aspects. I call it like the musical theatre Jules Holland show, you know, the hoop. <laughs> Yeah. It's like a giant party. Let's celebrate being back together to some degree. Let's celebrate singing live and let's also uh, highlight some really important facts of the industry and the people within it that they're suffering at the minute. So it's not necessarily done in a super negative way, but it's done to try and show that actually even through the worst of times, we can be quite creative and quite clever with, with how we earn because we have to be. Yeah. And cause it probably proves to so many people that we have so much substance as actors and as video makers and as 
as pianists, like we're not just our jobs. And I found a massive, I've had a massive journey with that, like discovering my happiness and other things I can do that isn't just standing on a stage and singing or dancing or acting. Um, and I think so many people are kind of realizing that now, especially with like, have you seen the stagey Sainsbury's? Um, and you know what a lot of them and a lot of them are, have, are leaving this week because a couple of other jobs have come back up for them so and I know that they're like really gutted to be losing them because they've been so you know such a joy actually and they've really embraced working at the same Saints of Sainsbury's I love that um it's actually really close to me the stage of Sainsbury's so um yeah it, it's I think what I I think what I also like about it is I, it's just, I, I hate the thing where they say don't have a plan B in this business if, if no one knows what I'm talking about they always sort of when you're training they always say don't have anything else this is theatre the only thing you ever do is act and sing and dance so don't have a plan B because you'll fall into it mm. and I've never agreed with that and I'm finally sort of in a really tragic way being proved completely right to have not agreed with it because if you don't and this happens I mean literally it's a pandemic once in a lifetime I'm sure once in a couple of lifetimes but uh, you know a lot of the time you get a job and it's miles away in the future. You know, it's like, I mean, if you got frozen before the yeah. pandemic, you still had a year to wait. It's 12 months to wait before the rehearsals started. Yeah. Now what are you going to do? Were you just going to, you know, get a credit card and let, like, literally just blow it out and then pay it <laughs> off? No, you were going to have to do something. And, and this is where plan B comes in. Find your plan B. And what this is sort of doing is getting people to really sort of assess that and go, do you know, what is it that I can do? What is it that creatively keeps my mind um going happy what what makes me happy alongside something that I, that i can do alongside theater um and it can be something tiny you know like making uh, greeting cards which i've got a friend who makes she draws and she's got brilliant she makes cards and i said to her at the beginning of lockdown i said um i want a display of those on etsy please because that's perfect that's what you can do you've got nothing else yeah. to do than sit at home in lockdown and write your cards and draw your cards so do it um and so you know people are finding what things like that and i and I mean, we can't all do that, I know, but um, you can find something and it doesn't matter what it is. Um, it's still uh, valid. It's still completely valid, whatever it is. Yeah, that's amazing. I really like that idea. And I didn't, I didn't realise about like the small things like the earrings and the grass yeah. shapes. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And Thanks. yeah, I think it also doesn't decrease your passion. Like it, it's, it's not saying you're not passionate about your craft if you if you have a side hustle, if you have a plan B, if you have something else that you love, it doesn't mean it. Um, speaking of other side hustles, so you've got intermissions. Yeah. You've also got an amazing school, Fourth Wall. I know. I did, God, I've got like business coming out. Yeah, <laughs> you're literally going on. Business um, work. Yeah. I, yeah, I, d I never really saw myself as it, but I did suddenly sit there and go, God, I've got like four things going on at minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Fourth, the Fourth Wall Studio. It was... Um, it was set up uh, with me and, and uh, uh, my best friend, actually, Graham Newell. Um, and we wanted to, um, this was way before sort of lockdown. This, we did this last, last year at some point. Basically giving workshops to anyone that feels like they need a brush up in some way. So it could be that people are going to drama school want to get used to the audition process and just train and do stuff to know what they're doing. Could also be graduates that maybe four years later are like, God, I need to brush up on how, you know, audition technique or just get into a room with something and actually feel nervous about something. So it was about that at first. And then when lockdown happened, um, uh, we just all went online. Obviously, everyone did. Zoom became everyone's best friend. And, um, and we just started doing various classes online, which, of course, you've done, have done one for as well, an active through class. And 
it was actually amazing because without I had never realized this or thought of this and now of course we'll continue it but the acting through sound classes or any classes that we had online were suddenly able to um, have people from all over the world joining us you know if they if the time worked in any way we had one class I did an acting through sound class I had someone in Peru I had someone in Poland I had someone from Canada all in one class and I was sitting there going this is extraordinary that actually we can offer this that we've been offering for ages, but we've been in studios in London, that uh, we can offer this to people that are so far away, they would never be able to get here for it. But now they're able to actually take these classes, which is brilliant. So I actually think I will continue them because of that, because I've gone, actually there's, people want these, but can't necessarily fly all the way to, you know, central London to get it, you know, for the hour that they're there. They can just sit at home, they can get as much out of it as they can from home. I think it's great. and. Um, and I've been doing warm-ups as well to try and get people motivated on Mondays, uh, vocals and physicals. You know, we've been doing loads of little bits and pieces just to get everyone, if they, if they can, um, you know, up, singing, dancing, moving, performing, um, all of it really, just to try and help. So, um, yeah, it, it's actually been, uh, for, for us, actually, lockdown for Fourth Wall threw out a lot of wonderful things that we can do for the future. So, um, mm. Uh, yeah, and I, we love teaching. Me and Graham have always taught um, throughout I our love it. careers. So um, it was just, it seemed like a natural progression to actually set something up that people could come to us for, for classes and stuff. So yeah, we, we absolutely love it. And, we, um, and we, will, we will absolutely continue it for as long as we can. Amazing, amazing. So let's go back and talk about you and your amazing career. Um, oh. While I was doing my crazy fan crazy Alice fan, fan stalking um, I had no idea something really cool that you covered Cosette and Fontaine in Les Mis early on yeah so we're saying 15 years ago now I think and was that at the same time or did you cover Cosette and then come back and then cover yeah no I, that's at the same time I'm calling myself very useful I was very very useful in my early 20s um, and is that a thing? Was that track made for you? Because I've never heard of that. That's really Yeah, cool. I think it's quite rare that you do Cosette and Fontaine. Yeah. I think it's like Eponine and Fontaine and stuff. So I think it is quite a rare connection. But I also played Old Hag too. Yeah, my dear. Let's see this trick. Tricky tricky tricky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also played that was like 20, 24, 20, 22, 23, something like that. And um, and so yeah, I remember auditioning and thinking, and, and I was sort of a soprano and that could belt but I was sort of thinking in my 20s for sure early 20s my soprano was used more I was like always the soprano and then they sort of were like oh gosh you could do that as well so that's 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 interesting so I was very very useful in this because I could do character I could do belt and I could also do the top C which is just like a nightmare of the cassettes you know just yeah. that top C then um so yeah it was I did I did both and actually I remember one weekend I was due to go on for Cosette for the weekend, uh, for Friday, Saturday, and on the Thursday night I had to go on for Fontaine. So I was literally down in my boots, singing a bottom F, you know, but the Tigers come up. Yeah, because it's just a and different setup, really, isn't it? And then by Friday, I was like skyscraper high on a top C, trying to float it. So yeah, it was, um, and it was like, I found it quite hard, I have to say. It was, um, it wasn't a, the easiest to get your voice into those spaces. But then, back then, my voice was like, you know, I'll do what you want me to do, I'm, I'm 23 and I'll, yeah um, I, f I feel like that with six as well it's kind of like I was it was my first job I was a grad I was like I'll sing anything um yeah but I feel like you do you kind of you start to get pickier as you get older you're yeah. like oh, I don't <laughs> yeah. I have a lower harmony there thanks guys yeah 
yeah it is that is weird thinking about that actually because I feel like you do like as a as a fresh graduate we're coming out into the industry you're like I want to be on the top because then everyone's going to hear me like no one no one knows that you're on the top line it doesn't say it in the program okay. <laughs> was that your first job no I actually started in Women in White which was a Andrew Amazing. Webber show do you remember it do you, have you ever heard of it you can say no no well I've heard of it but I never saw it but yeah um it's um it wasn't one of his best pieces I think I'm okay to say that um because I listen back now and I'm like there's some really doggy <laughs> yeah. um but I at the time absolutely didn't care because it was my I literally just graduated I was in the West End and I was in an Angela Webber show and I was at the Palace Theatre so you could have just you know I was just ecstatic every single day um and uh so that was actually my first job and then I went into Les Mis after uh, like nine months in that show because we closed it and then and then I went into Les Mis so um it was actually my second job but I did spend two years there um but it was the job that I'd always wanted to do I'd always wanted to do Les Mis um mm. it was absolutely my the show that just had grown up with I'd sung along to I knew every single song so it was um it was very much a, a on the bucket list of, of shows yeah. I was doing. I was, I was getting to do it quite nice and early, which was great. I'm sure there's a lot of people kind of nodding, going, yeah, it's on my bucket list too, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's on everyone's. And how did you find covering? Uh, I'm really interested to know, like, as a leading lady now, do you think covering helped with your career? Did it help my career? I would say it helped me as an actress um, because I think you learn a lot. Um, you watch everyone else in front of you, be it the first cover, be it the people that are playing it, and you watch them and you see what they do. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you take what they're doing and you use it yourself. It's actually the process of you going, I like that, I don't like that. Why don't I like what they're doing there? And what would I do differently to try and make it work for what I would want to do with it? So you end up analyzing a lot more than you realize you do. And you start to learn your performance that performance your acting ability what what you will make you work and what will make you more exciting as a, as a performer and definitely something I learned early on which sounds sort of weird to say but I was so worried about my voice I was always this has to be perfect this no it has to sound like almost computerized perfection like I'm so I was so specific about that and actually what that takes away is emotion and uh, performance and really telling the story so in the end, I started to realize, I realized that and I started to go, okay, maybe I should do this and maybe I shouldn't care so much about that and maybe I'll get more emotion out of it. And actually, if I follow the emotional journey of the song and my voice does cut a little bit here and there, maybe that's a good thing. And so you start to learn so much about yourself. So covering, um, I didn't want to cover at the time. I was like, I really want to play these parts. But actually, looking back, it taught me, it taught me a hell of a lot. Um, and it also taught me, um, there's, a, there's a story from Le Mi, uh, sorry, from Shrek, when I did Shrek. And I joined the initial cast of that and I was first covered to Amanda Holden. And obviously Amanda Holden is a huge, huge name and she was on Britain's Got Talent back then as well. And people are definitely booked to see Amanda Holden. And that was never more evident than on the, I think it was within the first week she went off. Um, and... I was, you stand in Shrek, you stood behind this wall, this like, um, the, the curtain before it goes up. And back then they used to announce if people weren't on. So she, they, yeah, yeah, this was, and so although I like it to come back, I also don't want it to come back for this reason. Um, they said, uh, you know, as uh, the, the role of Princess Fiona will be played, due to the indisposition of Man Holden, the performance, 
the performance of Princess Fiona will be played by Alice Fern. There was an there was like whistling, there was howling, there was fear, boos, there was absolute boo. Listen, this the curtain comes up, you're watching people leave, literally the auditorium, because Amanda's not on and I am. And it taught me at that moment there's two ways you can move. There's one where you just let it crumble, get get to you, and you really start to have a thing about performing and thing about covering and never want to do it again. And you can turn into that person or you could do what I did, which was go, Sodja, I'm going to show you that actually this is better. And that I'm going to, I'm going to do this so well that you're going to regret not seeing it. And um, I remember, I will never forget that show or as long as I live, because at the end of it, I, a, I burst into tears as I walked down because I had my, I was like the second to last bow on my own, walked down and the entire auditorium, that's when they stood up and they applauded me. And I cried my heart out because I just thought, you took that moment and you did this and that's you've had a payoff you've had yeah. it you've oh had my God, it that gives me um but it was one of the so the worst sort of the worst moment in my life turned ended up turning into one of the best um but you know i would never have learned that lesson i would never have learned that uh desire to to prove people wrong i think as much as i did at that moment if i hadn't been covering yeah so yeah. Um, there are many positives to find from it yeah and i also think like in terms of understudies it's a whole new world at the moment because people like especially in shows such as that well I've been really lucky that the shows Six and Juliet the fans are so up for seeing the covers yes I, I think a massive thing with that is not stunt casting and celebrity casting and like don't get me wrong I think Amanda's amazing but you know it's I do I do think that has a massive thing with it because it just shows that anyone can anyone can do it and we all do it differently and um yeah I think that is that is an amazing story and I think I bet that really kind of boosted you in terms of like mental health in terms of like just do it that kind of effort mentality um that's amazing I love that uh speaking of right I think the mental health aspect is really that's it was right it really made me go you're so strong then if you did that babe you can do anything you know that's exactly what it did to my head which is great because yeah. that's what you do in this business more than anything yeah you learn so much as about yourself as a cover and your limits and things like that um yeah amazing uh speaking of vocal health and emotion and rawness and things like that we have to talk about alphaba and i think yeah. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When I, I, I was lucky enough to see his alpha when I went to see the gorgeous Mel Barry, who is also your number one fan. We love you, Mel, if you're listening. Love Mel. And I remember just literally being blown away because it, it it when you were just saying that I was literally going oh my gosh that's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching you it felt so safe but so raw and so emotional that I was like why does she sound so safe but so I'm so emotionally connected to it and I remember speaking about you Tamel um all good things all good things and <laughs> Because I'm super, super into vocal health. I'm always sitting in the wings, picking Ollie Thompson's brain. Because he's another person who I'm just like, I don't understand how you make this sound. So basically, the reason you're here is because I want to pick... No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) But I need to... I I remember Mel saying to me, you will not believe how many shows Alice has had off. She never, ever goes off. And she's such a professional. And I think that is amazing. I, I just basically need to know how you do it. And also, <laughs> like, what was it that made, how did you just let Alphabet, that massive sing, sit so comfortably in your voice? Was there, like, was it just doing it a lot of times? Or how did you get that in the first place? Um, I think it's a combination of a number of things. But listen, the moment when I got it, and after about three weeks of just being on cloud nine, you sort of then have those, God, how are you going to do it? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be up about eight shows a week. Oh, I'm going to have to do it eight shows a week. Is that, is that possible? You know, I've done a week here and there, but I'm like, can I actually do it? So you start, so that those do come into your head, but you, there's nothing you do, you've got to try. You know? I think something, there is something to be said in if your voice sits there. Now, listen, I would say that, that, that the show itself, I can sing it and I can sing it quite comfortably and I can sit very much in the middle of all those notes. Um, when you sit there relatively comfortably with good really, technique, and, and when I say technique, it's like you're not reaching for the notes. You're not going, Ugh! you know, you're not he- he- reaching them in that way. You're actually just literally pinging them out and, and it's comfortable and everything's free. The more you do that, the more the muscularity will be there. So sometimes you wake up and you're like, never in a million years when they're gonna get it. And then after about an hour, your voice is back and it's there because the muscularity has, knows exactly what it has to do. And it gets better with time. I mean, I could do four or five w- runs. So say I would do four or five weeks um, of eight shows. By the end of the fifth week, people be like, how are you still singing? And I'll be like, it's, that feels better today than it did at the beginning of that five week run. Wow. Because, because your muscles have really got used to it and they just sit there. You know, they just get it. Um, I knew that if I went on holiday, and, and absolutely when you're playing off, but the last thing you do on holiday is sing, right? You absolutely go and you're basically practically silent for a week. Mm. You come back and that first day you feel amazing, everything pinging, but the day after that, because it's been asleep for a week, that one show back has knackered it quite a bit. And it's like, oh no, we're doing this again. So it takes you a couple of days to get back into it. So, you know, the, and there were things that you would find to do. And you know, actually, I would say James Drazy helped me massively because when we first started, he said, there are three moments in this show. Yes, you sing a lot and you do a lot in the show, but there are three moments where you really have to concentrate on your vocal, only three. And I went, really, what bits are there? You know, and he was like, ends of Wizard and I, end of Defying Gravity and No Good Deed. That's the only three you need to care about. 
And I was like, actually, yeah, you're right. The rest of the time you can sit down and sit back on that voice and not have to give it like a gazillion percent because actually the hardest bits technically are only those three bits. Um, and so with that in mind, that really helped me mentally go, oh, it's only three moments. So actually, if you got to the end of Wizard and I, you were like, right now I've only got two. You know, and actually one of the, I've got a giant break from the last one. You know, so you did that and you sort of mentally got yourself to a much safer place where you were like, yeah, I've got ages, you know. Um, so psychological. So definitely, it's a massive psychological thing. As soon as you get even a slight thing, it's not going to come out and it's going to, and it's going to mess with you. And I am so laid back in life. I'm practically horizontal. So um, I think that really helps um, just going. And I mean, my fa- one of my favorite sayings was, oh, something will come out. I remember I had a dreadful cold one day and it was like, literally, and they were like, Alice, you surely can't do tonight. And I was like, oh, something will come out. You know, it will come out. It will be all right. Yeah. You know, it's my, my perfect show. If you say I'm only going to do it from a hundred percent. Well, I would have done three, you know, in that case, there's always going to be something that you could have done slightly better or something didn't come out quite as well. But from an audience perspective, my perfection is like sky high of myself because you always do have that. But an audience perspective will sit there and go, I thought it was absolutely amazing. Sometimes I've gone, I sound absolutely, I sound like, like trash tonight. I'm absolutely appalled. And you go to stage door and there's people crying, just going, that's the best night of my life. I cannot believe what I've just witnessed. Thank you so much. They haven't, then they don't hold you to the same standard. You know, my standard is ridiculous. So if you have that in your mind as well, um, it will chill you out a little bit because you'll go, I think they'll still be happy with what I did tonight because my standard's stupid, you know. Yeah, I'm the same. So, you know, and I think if you just think of all those things, they all come in together and um, I think you can get through it quite easily. But I do think the initial thing is your voice has to be able to, to, to ping out those notes relatively comfortably you know in a go uh, you can't be sort of reaching for them because as soon as you reach for it and as soon as it's not quite technically right you do two shows and it's all it is going to do is is just drag and drag and drag you know because that's it's a really hard those eight shows are, are slogs you know yeah um so I, I vocal health is I, there was also definitely things I did I, when I needed a rest I had one and I didn't try and push through you know if I was like my voice has gone and there's no point in me trying because all I'm going to do is be off for a week then, you know, whereas hopefully if I rest tonight, I'll be back tomorrow. So you have to make that clever decision here and there as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I didn't go out to loud bars or go to really loud gigs. You know, I absolutely stayed in and, you know, watched a Netflix documentary with my husband and just made sure I didn't overdo myself because it's a big old slog and you have yeah. to look after yourself when you're doing something like that. It's, it can be a bit of a lifestyle, but it's completely and utterly worth it. Yeah, and speaking of lifestyle, because I I think, well, part of the reason is also because I don't do it as often, but part of the reason is also because it's a massive thing. But when I go on for Juliet, my day is kind of like silent, steaming, vocal warm-ups. Uh, I don't meet up, well, I'm trying to avoid meeting up with friends in loud coffee shops, all yeah. that jazz. What what was the day in a life as Alphaba like? Because there's a, it gets to a point where you're kind of like, can I actually go every single day silent and then just go to work? And then is yeah. can that actually be my life? So how did you balance that? Well, um, I, for the first three months, I was really good. So I would like wake up. I'd be very, very quiet for most of the day. I'd talk to myself. Actually, what I found was talking a little bit earlier was actually quite beneficial to me because it got my voice warmed up a little bit. Mm. So I would start sort of doing... I'd even sort of teach a couple of lessons during the day sometimes because it would actually warm my voice up. Um, 
uh, so you start to sort of you start to push the limits a little bit doing a little bit more you know if you're doing nothing at first um, and I think the more you do it the more you can tell if you can do that or not I do however completely agree not going to loud coffee shops and stuff because you end up just speaking you know really an elevated speaking voice which is what you shouldn't do because that's what ties yourself out so um there are i i i found it was a process of learning what i could take you know and what i could do first couple of weeks were like a no-go because i was absolutely shattered i mean i slept for you know pretty much 36 hours from a saturday night to a monday morning you know um and then you start to realize actually i can start going out on a saturday, sunday a bit and having lunch with friends then you start realizing i can maybe do a couple of lessons in the week if i want to teach uh, i could do a couple of little things extras and then you start sort of adding into it and you start just getting used to that, you know, so more and more happen. Um, and I got to even to the point where I could see on a Sunday, I would often do gigs on a Sunday and I'd be, I mean, I mean, I look back and I go, I'm absolutely mad to have done. <laughs> but I was at, you know, if I was asked, I'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I've just got to make sure I do all eight. Cause if I do a gig on a Sunday, I'm like, I've got to make sure I do all eight the week after. It's a bit unfair if I don't. Yeah. On the gig. So then, you know, you've got two weeks of basically singing for 14 days, you know, you want to make sure you do that. But I, I got used to it. And actually, it just built up the muscularity, as I'm saying. So I think it's, it's different for everyone. That's the other thing about mental health is that you have to, uh, sorry, for vocal health that you have to be aware of, is that every voice works very, very differently. And some need that extra time and some don't. I remember speaking to Lou Dearman about it. And she was like, I have to, sit, I have to live like a nun. You know, she really did. She couldn't have a drop of alcohol because it affected um, her acid reflux essentially, and it just like it. So she can drink at all. Whereas, uh, whereas Rachel Tucker loved a glass of wine, you know, after a show, she would absolutely not have a problem with it. So you know, it affects people completely differently, mm. um, and that's I think you have to be aware of that, and you have to know your voice. You have to know what what does it take for your voice to get through it, um, and be okay with that. You know, don't punish yourself if you can't go out, but the other person can. You know, mm. like. If, in your instance, you know, if, if you're like, gosh, I can't do that at all. I can't possibly go out and then sing the show, but yet the second cover can go out and sing that show. It's, it's not, it's no, it's no point comparing because your voice is your voice. And, mm. and, and it just wants you to do certain things and it gets tired more tired than other people's does, or it, it reacts in very different ways to other things. So mm. I think it just, you have to be really aware of it and you have to listen to it. It's an incredibly it's really linked to who you are and what you're feeling that day, your voice. So if you get stressed, your voice will stress and your voice will stress and it will tighten up. So you have to try and have that element of unstress about you in order for your voice to be released and relaxed. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's only something you can do on your, on your, with yourself, you know, and, and if that's, you know, listening to meditating and listening to stuff like that, maybe it's that, you know, um, but yeah, everyone is very, very different and, and that's, and that's what's great about it. That's what makes their voices interesting and different and their voice, not anyone else's, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Um, so you covered Elphaber before you took on the role full time. Yeah. Did you go back into rehearsals just out of interest? Um, well, I, cause Rachel was coming back over to take, for, to, to do the 10th anniversary leg of the show. Um, and I was standby so she didn't actually do any rehearsals um she did like a week i think and so i did all of the rehearsals when i was standby when i was going in standby then when i yeah when we took it because when i um took over with sophie i actually wasn't called in much at all because they were sort of worried that it would burn me out and then suddenly i wouldn't be able to do the evening shows if it was needed 
So actually, I remember Sophie and Laura Pick, who was coming in a standby to take over from me, they got really, really close and they were like, that's what the show is. You know, that's what they, of course, then, like, within the, with a week to go, Sophie was suddenly thrown on with me for the week of rehearsals. And she was like, God, oh, this is, like, it's, like, it's very, very, very different. It's very, it, and, um, and so I think she sort of had that, oh my God, what, I don't, I feel like I don't know the show with Alice. We very, very quickly um, got it you know, um, but yeah, I didn't have to do much. I have to say, I think I had to do like a couple of afternoons. Um, oh, I was lovely. Like, it's, it's quite nice. Yeah. Quite nice. Yeah. Nice. They knew, they knew I was about to open and do the biggest role of my life for eight shows that next week. So they were like, we can't make her do too yeah. much. Why she'll burn out. Yeah. Shall we move on to come from away? Yeah. Talk about come from away. Um, what a show. I feel like every time people ask me, what's the first show you want to see when you go back? I have to say that just in terms of the messages of it and the morals of it, how was it taking on that role, that incredible song, a new company, some old members, some new, just what, what has your experience been like with the show? Um, I have to say it was, it is quite difficult because it's very much an ensemble piece. Um, and we're all, and everyone is very equal telling the story together as one. And so it's quite, it was quite difficult because obviously we had, it was about 50, 50, 50% of people staying, 50% of people knew. And of course we were in the rehearsal room for pretty much the entire time. And, and what's good about that though, is that the new standbys, they got chance to learn a complete track. Um, so we got very, so we had enough people doing it because with the new standbys. However, of course, then about five or six of them were different by the time we got to the, actually do the show. So it felt kind of weird because we were like, oh, I've got used to that person doing it. And it's so weird now that we're going back to that person doing it. So it was kind of difficult to, to, to link us together, I think. It took a week or two, I would say, to fully um, be a, an ensemble piece because we should have been really rehearsing together. That just isn't, you can't do that. You know, it's just not possible. Um, so I did find it quite uh, quite tricky. Um, however, the group of people that we were going to were unreal and they were gorgeous. And the group of people that I was rehearsing with were just gorgeous. I mean, we were just all brilliant. So it, it was lovely. It just had, we just had to get used to it, you know, and, and have mm. someone in the chair, because it was a lot of chair moving in some way. So and, much chair moving. <laughs> and you just had to make sure that you, you did it the way that, you know, it has to be done because it's all very quick and it's all very accurate. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was just getting, getting, a, it, it, I think, to be honest, it's pretty much the case in, in any show, really. You know, it's, it's pretty much the case of any cast change. It's always a little bit trying to get used to the new thing. Before, and then you'll forget the old thing was even a thing, you know. Mm. Um, but, um, but doing the show, I mean, we did five weeks before um, it, um, we all closed. And um, I have never... Um, no, no, I felt a reaction like it, I have to say. I've just never, I, I and I've done Wicked, you know, and mm. I've done it's where you, the reactions are always quite big. Yeah. It's not, it's not that it's not big, I mean, it is big, but it's the feeling of, you actually feel the gratitude from the audience at having been told a really gorgeous story of human, of human um, brilliance. You know, they, they, they are just regular people who did the most perfect thing that week. Uh, they could not have been any nicer. They were just being themselves, but they couldn't have been nicer. And especially during, I mean, during a, the the idea that this pandemic was going to come up, everyone was just like needing that because all we were hearing in the news was, you know, there's more deaths, more deaths. And before we closed, that's all we were listening to, to suddenly get this, you know, this be at this show where it was all about 
how brilliant the human race can be and how yeah. wonderful people can be to other people um, was just what we needed. And it was actually amazing to witness that and to be, and, and, and I felt that even before the pandemic really. Oh yeah, I watched the show way like way back and I just watched it like through my tears I went yeah. on my own which was a mistake as well because everyone was kind of looking at me like <laughs> and yeah I left being like I am the next mother Teresa I want to go I want to go and make the world a better place and that just shows <laughs> having that effect yeah there's so much negativity in the world in so many ways you know with politics with climate change with you know with absolutely anything and um and to come to it and just go oh yeah we can be brilliant and so let's mm. go out and be exactly like Anufananda would be please yeah. because they if we could all be a bit more like them we'd all be living in basically Eden you know um so it is just it's just like wonderful to turn to wonderful to, to feel that to feel that reaction to feel that that's what you've done to that audience that day it's, it's actually amazing so I have to say when we get back to it because it is a when um I uh I can't wait to, to get that reaction more than anything, just to see that we've, because we will all really need that more than ever. You know, anyone goes anything. People will need to be inspired, to be lifted um, all over again. And any show that you go and see will no doubt do that and definitely come from away well. Yeah, defo. It's definitely one of the first on my list. And speaking of being part of a cast change, stepping into something that is, has already been created. Yeah. I'm always so intrigued as to like how you find your own version, how much flexibility there is. Cause I've, I've kind of never been in that position. I always wonder like when I hopefully eventually get into that position, how much freedom am I going to have? Does it vary from each company and each director? Uh, yes, it can vary. I have also found it can't vary at all i mean there are there are definitely like marks to, marks to hit lighting cues you know you you have to say in this amount of time because that's all we've got um you know stuff like that I, I i think i definitely draw the line at line reading you know if someone gives me a line read i'm like no you know that's definitely i'm sorry I'm gonna put my diva diva hat on here and say you're not allowed to line read to me i'll say it the damn way i want you know what i mean yeah um, hence why i've been cast otherwise you can just cast a robot um <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I do think people said that in Wicked. They were like, "How do you how?" Because uh, because I don't know this. I I just did what I did. But people said, "How on earth have you created very much made it your own?" Yet it's ten years down the line, and it was very specific. Like you really have to be very specific with that show. Um, uh, and I don't really know. I can't really answer it other than you go. You always go absolutely do it the original way. So maybe that you would you look at the script and you say, okay, she's reacting like this. I'm doing this, that, and the other. And maybe in uh, come from away, for instance, I go right. I know I have to move back at that. So I've got this amount of time. And what am I feeling in this amount of time? I can do that own version of, for myself how I would feel in that amount of time. But I know I've got to move back on that. So there's always enough um, space for you to create your own version of. There is just there's walls and there's definitely limits. Um, to, to times and things you're allowed to do. But I think always push the boundaries slightly, see if you can change stuff. I mean, there's always theatrical pictures, you know, that's, a, that's one where they go, no, you've got to be there and you've got to be down here. Okay, fine. But then I'm gonna, I feel like I could play it like this and I feel like you need to, you know, and they sort of can sometimes shift slightly for you if you really can't make it work. I, push a little bit, but know that there's always gonna be a bit of pushback. Yeah. Um, is, is the only advice I can give you really. Um, and know when to stop pushing because you've lost a battle. You know what I mean? 
Mm. And um, I mean, there was definitely, I've got a story about um, Dirty Ron Scoundrels because I was covering Dirty Ron Scoundrels. Now, I, Robert Lindsay, I love with all my heart. He's, he's gorgeous. We had a fabulous time up on there. But I would often get notes from Rob, can you make sure you do it this on this on this, or this on this and say this like this, right? And I just absolutely, yeah, sure, sure. You want me to do that? Yeah, sure, let's do that. I mean, I would never change it. I can honestly say that to you. I would never change it. I would always do what I wanted to do, but because I'd gone, yep, yep. He'd be going, well, didn't that go so much better tonight because of that? I'd be like, yeah, sure it did, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, and I would just take it, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it went so much better. I mean, I didn't change anything, but yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah of your note darling so you know there's always a little bit of that card to play as well you know yeah. people are always going to feel like they need to be that person and directors might be like that as well and feel like well, i need to make sure i've said that and done that it's part but, of the job isn't it that whole note session thing <laughs> and i mean the amount of notes i would get at wicked was hysterical i mean there's one i won't i don't talk about well maybe i will talk about it. i think I yeah think please do please do so basically i got I was doing so much, all these rehearsals, and um, and eventually I, I came off one of the scenes and I had my broom in my right hand and you, I ran off. And um, after the run, I got a note. Can you make sure that when you come off with your broom that you hand it to the stage management uh, vertically and not horizontally? And I'd got like a thousand notes, right? And I was like, what? They just, yeah, they just want it to be held because that's how they get held. They, they and this it. isn't even in front of an audience, right? Not even in front of an audience, it's off stage, right? So they went, yeah, it's just how they get handed now. So they just wanted to keep the same. And I just, I don't know what it was, darling. I lost it. I just, I just turned. And I went, no. I said, that is the most appalling note I've ever received. I said, are you telling me that after all that three hour work I did this afternoon, one of my notes is how I hand the broom off stage to the stage management. I said, did I hit him? And they were like, no, 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 no. It's, and she went, so sorry, darling, so sorry, darling. She just literally backtracked. She was like so frightened that she'd upset me because I don't really get upset like that. And um, anyway, it became a hilarious thing because the next time, of course, what I did was stop really aggressively and put it down <laughs> to the floor. Yeah. Just to, sort of, just to be that person, you know, and then it became, because it was, it was a guy called Luke who, um, who was there and he just was like, oh, I didn't mean to mean a note I just said that I get handed it like that and I was like I know but it's the most pathetic note I said and this is what we can't do I said you cannot be that limited to what you can change you have to change it I said yeah. I you cannot let me with everything I have to remember to remember to offstage hand you a broom a certain way as long as I don't hit you right I don't want to hit you but I said I've never hit you once doing it like that I said yeah. I said I've got to accept that that might be a change that it's no longer vertical it's horizontal oh whoop de do you know what I mean yeah like, I'm sad for you I'm sad for you so you know it was a kind of thing and that and that's where I go that's my limit I go no you've got to do there are there are notes that work and there are notes that are important and then there's just just plain bloody mindedness yeah and um but me and Luke we I loved each other it was just so funny and then I always made a thing of it every time I came off with that broom it never became anything less than a yeah. giant joke but it's just, you know, that, that, is, that is what I don't like about the cast changes and things that have been there for years because they do get very set in stone. Mm. And you do have to go and, and be a little bit flexible in order for me to have my version of this show. And I mean, I'm not even asking for too much, you know. But you just yeah. have to remember to be that person, I think, um, in a lovely way, in a nice way, because it helps you, but just make sure that, that 
it's not just a robotic version that you saw yeah. last year. It's actually your version. It's my version because I stood up for things that I believed in, in that interpretation, whatever the show is. Yeah. Um, and you should, you know, if you're right and if you're clever enough, then you'll get, you'll, it, you'll find the perfect between yeah. you, between your creatives, you'll find that perfect middle yeah. ground. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's always a journey. I mean, every show is different because every, every creative is different. You know? Yeah, but it's nice to know that there is that element that is, it does exist. It's not like you are literally going in and doing what the person yeah. before you did. Exactly. Yeah, there's always, exactly. yeah, you've got to have a little bit. I think that's what makes you a better actress because you're sitting there sort of saying, you know, performer, because you're going, no, it's my vote, guys. We have to remember that. Otherwise, there's no point in casting me. Yeah, mm. then you could have cast anyone else or just done a carbon copy. You, you cast mm. me for a reason. It's because it, 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 you know that I can create a version of this, this that's good. So trust me. Let's work on it together, but trust me on it. You know, yeah. and that's, that's what you kind of need from people. And, and it's definitely what I felt at Wicked. After the initial sort of like standby difficulty, mm. I definitely found a brilliant... A, a, everyone was very you know Petra the, the resident director here she was great and by the end we really she actually even said she went I think this might be a pedantic note and she went and I'm she gave it and I would look at her and she'd go pedantic don't do it and she would just and so we even so she even knew that I would be like I'm not in take like can you do yeah anything? and and so and so we worked brilliantly together because of that because she knew she knew me and I knew her and we knew what I was trying to do the best I could all at all times and she knew that so we just work together. So that's that's what you've got to try and find with a director, and that and that makes a good director, especially a good resident, is one that gives you a little bit of leeway, and yeah. um, with what you want to do. Yeah, and I think the whole thing that we've just spoken about really applies to covering as well. Completely, 100%. yeah. It, that's Amazing. what I've learned through covering, definitely, mm. is to just go, hold on, um, you know, it, it, I, that's not what, what I would do though, you know. Yeah. Like, it's, can I just do a little bit of this instead? And um, yeah, that's definitely. what teaches you, teaches you to be a, a, a brilliant performer and think think outside the box. Yeah, amazing. Um, so last thing before we do our quick fire questions that yeah. aren't really that quick fire, and uh, let's have a little chat about your album. And yes, you were like, the other day. I love. It. I know, and I <laughs> so I messaged Alice, being like, "Hey, I really want you to come on my podcast." P.S. I literally nearly crashed my car listening to your album. <laughs> I was honestly the um, big time the orchestrations. I was just like, and my shoulders, my shoulders were going like, and I had my hands on the steering wheel. And I was just like, oh no, I need to calm down. And I could feel myself. It was just honestly, I was living my best life. So when's the next one? That's what I want to know. Well, I was going to do one in 2020. There you go. Yeah. I was going to do one, but because everything has, has closed down. It just became completely unbearable for me to sort of try and do and put it all together. Um, so I, listen, I'm fully, I'm fully intending to do one next year, actually. If everything sort of starts up again and uh, enough work comes in, uh, then I'll absolutely do a new one because that would have been five years. So maybe actually that's perfect because it would have been five years since I released it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that's actually big time is a Nick Barstow uh, arrangement. So he, he orchestrated all of that um, because it's got to, you've got to enter with a bang on an album. You've got to have a big starting, you know, opening number. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just, uh, I like to have a theme. So I'll have to probably think of a theme for my next one. Um, but uh, I like to have something to sort of, otherwise you just sort of pick random songs. Yeah, I was just about to ask with your song choices. Did you, how did you come up with them? Was it with Nick? Did you, um, what was well, the theme? I, it was, it was, so the title of the album is Where I've Been, Where I'm Going. 
So it was sort of like that, it was at the pinnacle of the moment where the reason why I did the album was because I'd gone from cover ensemble to playing a leading role because I got Elphaba as well standby. So I was trying to say, to, to, and I felt definitely a shift in terms of what I was doing professionally and how I felt professionally. So I wanted to sort of gauge that and sort of use that as the album's sort of like the idea behind the songs. Love it. So, I, so I used where I've been as a kind of people that have taught me stuff, musical theatre that's taught me stuff, um, artists that have taught me stuff, songwriters that have taught me stuff over the years, and then what I felt I would do and go into from there on, you know. Yeah. Um, and what continues to inspire me and continues to, to sort of teach me to be a, a better performer. So that was sort of the idea behind the song choices. Um, and yeah, so then this next one will we'll have to, I'll have to think of something new. Now you're a West End Wendy leading lady. <laughs> No, exactly. Basically, just basically just do a version to find gravity. That's all that anyone wants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Right, should we do these quick fire questions? Oh, fire. Yeah, but they're not quick fire, so they're quick but, fire. But yeah, well, quick. this is the thing because I did it with my friend, and then we ended yeah. up chatting on each one. On each set, right? Okay, I'm determined. But, okay, it, yeah, try and be quick fire. Okay, I'm try really fire. random. Okay, here we go. I'm ready. Favorite thing in your closet. So it's a waterfall cardigan. So like, you know, it's not one that buttons up. It's not, it's what, and it, well, it just hangs, you know? So Love if you get it. up, you can take it off. If you get cold again, you put it back on. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Stunning. Okay. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, to not take yourself too seriously and to have fun. Really, yeah. really good. In life and as a performer, it's an excellent piece of advice. Because you Definitely. tend to play more, you tend to, yeah you know, try more stuff out because you're a bit more fearless because you're not, you don't care so much. Yeah. Um, and also like things if people like hate your performance and, and like to moan about it online, you know, yeah. you don't care as much, you don't let it get to you. Yeah. You know? And I, I, I'd say it takes, it takes that first moment to get that, you know, to kind of realize that that's actually a thing. Cause I remember going into six and being like, I have to be perfect. This is the biggest thing I've ever done. And then by the end of it, I was literally like, like every time I'd mess up, I'd laugh myself. We'd all laugh together. And I was like, this is one of the biggest things I've taken from the whole job is not taking myself seriously. So yeah. Well, to learn it so early on, baby, is amazing because it definitely took me a couple of years to sort of not start to not care. So yeah, if you can learn, you can get to grips with that nice and early, it will make your life just so much. And it will make you enjoy this career. We should enjoy it shouldn't be quite so stressful as it, it, it tends to be and if you can have that attitude that's what you tend to get from that attitude 100% do you have any pets like actual pets actual pets what, yeah. what kind yeah. of pets do you think I've been talking about pets. <laughs> oh okay um yeah no I've got a dog yeah called Phoebe I've had her for she's 12 and a half um oh. I've had, yes I've had her since she was eight weeks old and um I basically moved into my house and I said, I have to have a house. As soon as I can move into a house, because then I can have a dog because no one will moan at me. No one paying the mortgage will moan at me because it'll be me. Um, and so I got her straight away. And um, yeah, she's now 12 and a half and can't really see anymore. So um, she's... Um, my old dog she's is blind. She's my joy. She's my absolute pride and joy. I just adore her. Does she Don't come to work with you? No, uh, well, she, did a, she has to a couple of different places. Um, but then once you see it, it scared me because I brought her to the Savoy Theatre when I was there with Dirty Rotten and um, I came back to my dressing room and what she'd done is managed to get behind the fridge to where they had put rat poison. Oh no. 
I'd eaten it. So of course I freaked out. I instantly, I took it to the vet after the show, the emergency vet after the show. Uh, and they were like, she's ingested so little that there's no point in worrying about it. It's absolutely fine. But of course I freaked out. And then of course never, I've never taken her again. So yeah. Fine. Yeah. And it's everywhere in theatres. Everywhere. Yeah. The poison. Yeah. Rightly so. Um, I guess. Favourite movie of all time. Oh no. That's, well, that's too hard. Surely. It can, um, it can you know, top. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you a couple. Yeah. I, I could watch Home Alone 2 at almost any time of the day and year. Yeah. A cracking, a cracking film. Um, I also really, really like, and this is because I'm, who isn't frightened of death, but I'm quite frightened of death, but I love Coco. <gasps> it makes me feel like there's a lovely place after death that yeah. we're all going to be living in this lovely place and we'll have like a, a spirit animal and what a lovely, and it's like the most ridiculous land of death. And I'm, yeah. I'd be absolutely thrilled if that was it. So, um, so that's what I love that film as well, because it makes me just feel really comfortable. If, and yeah. that, absolutely. I mean, I'm hoping I get to like, you know, a hundred years old, but on my deathbed, I'll be, I'll be watching Coco. Yeah. I'm afraid of death as well. I think everyone, I mean, surely everyone is, I guess, but yeah, I know um, just something I really don't like like thinking about yeah um, yeah oh i it, love but, it that's a cute reason yeah. though i know yeah it's kind of slightly morbid but yeah <laughs> yeah i love coco and the music is amazing as well yes I've got the album. describe yourself as a teenager in three words grumpy um unmotivated and i can't say the other word i was going to say <laughs> um, Why? I know, I know, I can't. Uh, grumpy, unmotivated, um, and I yeah, I'd probably say no. I wasn't that, was I? Really? Gosh, really analysing myself. Yeah, I know you're really going going back. <laughs> I'm going deep. Um, and 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 in more a partier than I ever was at any other time in my life. Oh yeah, I, I love going out clubs when I was 16 17 I basically hit 20 and never went again <laughs> yeah yeah it was always I, I was love just that party when I was a kid but no when I got up when I grew up I was like oh no I just want to be at home with a Netflix docu love it I'm a bit like that as well I go through phases I think yeah. um biggest pet peeve um people not putting the toilet seat down oh uh, I really can't bear it because I saw a documentary years ago where they did like a, a UV light or whatever, and they, and they flushed the toilet with the lid open and it went, the spray went everywhere um, because you could see it under the UV light and it absolutely freaked me out. And now I can't, I can't imagine, I can't, if no one, if they don't put the seat down, all I can see is that UV light and the spray going everywhere. Oh dear. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. And the last one that I'm asking all of my guests at the moment if there was a musical about your life and you couldn't play the title role who would you have played the title role and why okay can i have it at two points in my life though <laughs> yeah go on then. so so now i would like hannah waddingham to play it because i like to feel that i'm i'm as hugely important in life as hannah waddingham <laughs> would be, right yeah love so it about 20 years pat elipone oh yeah it has to be Patty because she's literally as bitter as I am. Yeah. And, and, she is. and in 20 years, I, I will be, I am going to be a Patty Lapone. There's yeah, no and you'll be, that. have you seen her lockdown videos? Have you seen her, yes, her birthday it. video? That, that is, is going to be, be. 
Um, so I think, yeah, if it was in 20 years from now, but she hadn't aged a day, I'd want Patty Fenton. Yeah. Did you see her in company? Yes, of course. I wasn't going to miss that for I love. Them. I actually, I actually took a night off Wicked. I said, I'm, I have to go. I have to come off this week. Like, We're not sure we can do it. I went, you have to, because I'm going to see company. Yes. Like, you have to. It's not a question of how, it's a question of you're doing it, yeah? Um, they were like, okay, fair enough, because she really wants to see company and I can't miss Pat's phone. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Imagine if she wasn't on. <laughs> oh, been, I would have been livid. I would have been like really happy for the cover and really furious and probably walked out. Like, <laughs> like all those people that did. Just like the ones. Yeah. I'd have just been the same person. It's all those people that walked out when Amanda Holden was on. <laughs> brilliant brilliant well thank you so much for coming on thank you enjoy thanks darling it's been amazing to chat to you and learn all the amazing things about you that i had absolutely no idea that's why i had my jaw on the floor most of it i was like <laughs> been around for too long sweetheart already yeah. i need all the stories i need all of them yeah yeah thank you so much enjoy welcome, your honey. week you too Speak and to you i'll soon. see you soon ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>